Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Indie Talk Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, as always, Paul Martinez, and we are here to talk today. Uh, we're going to talk a little Ring of Honor TV, but uh, the main event, Ultima Lucha. Hopefully not the final episode we ever see of Lucha Underground, especially when it was such a very worthwhile ending to the show. I have a lot of thoughts about the show, and we're going to get to that. That's our main event of the evening. But uh, first, we'll have our opening bout, so to speak, and that's Ring of Honor TV. This is from August 5th. Now, yeah, I know I skipped Ring of Honor TV from last week, but it was showing the same day as the pay-per-view. Those are usually throwaway shows, and so I, I didn't bother with it. Instead, I gave you the pay-per-view update. Nothing really of any circumstance happened on that show, so you didn't miss anything. But this one, it opens up with a really bad promo from Roderick Strong, talking about, you know, the one-hour draw and what have you and how he wants another rematch. You know, really, the only thing Roderick Strong can't do is, you know, cut a really great promo. I mean, I've heard him cut decent promos, but usually, for the most part, they were a little below par. Yeah, this is just the one thing about his game that I don't think he's like A plus at. We get an opening match, and it's War Machine versus the Young Bucks. Wow, that's this is a great matchup. I was very shocked to see this matchup. This is definitely a pay per view type of matchup. It's also funny as I'm listening uh, to hear Carino reference Death Before Dishonor when this actual match was taped prior to that show. At the onset, it's all War Machine. Young Bucks hit a quick flurry, of course, mostly using super kicks. Uh, Hanson hit the double clothesline to stop that, but then they come back with a couple more super kicks. Nick then hits a dive on the outside and immediately reaches for his ankle. The match is pretty much stopped. Medical personnel and the referees are tending to him. I quickly thought, this is a work. Matt gets thrown in the ring by War Machine, and he's facing them alone. AJ Styles comes out uh, to check on Nick, while War Machine is just beating on Matt. But he starts to fight back, and then AJ jumps on the apron to take Nick's place. And now the match starts to even out a little bit, you know, with uh, both teams getting in a lot of offense. AJ goes for a lariat, and it misses and hits referee Paul Turner. But while he's down, War Machine regained the advantage. Hansen comes off the top rope. But here comes a fully healed Nick Jackson into the ring. The super kicking right out of the air. Styles clash on the roll as Nick jumps back to the outside. Turner comes through. Counts the three. They get the win. Two and a half stars. Good match for what it was. My guess here is that this was used to try to reiterate that the Young Bucks are supposed to be heels, uh, and AJ is supposed to be a heel. You know, they're cheered wildly in Ring of Honor, uh, despite their heel status. And I think this is all, was a, that's a product to try to get over that these guys are not fan favorites. They are heels. They do cheat. But to be honest, the fans, uh, cheered the, the, the trickery. So I don't know if this is going to work. Then we get a, Total babyface promo from Adam Cole. Overly babyface in my eyes. Uh, you know, talking about his relationship with Kyle O'Reilly and the, his 
best man at his wedding and whatever nonsense. I don't know. I'm just not sure I'm buying this. This Adam Cole 180 turn. It's not been gradual. It's just flipped. Without really anything causing it. So, you know, usually if a guy flips, you have a reason. He was wronged by his partners in the villains or whatever, you know. He has problems with uh, the rest of the kingdom, but they've never done anything wrong to him. I just don't see how this babyface turn is, like, so abrupt. And usually when I see that, it's usually because it's not real. But we'll see what happens with this. Get our next match. It's Cedric Alexander versus Romantic Touch. Of course, Romantic Touch is the wrestler formerly known as Rhett Titus. Alexander attacks and is all over the masked man. Total destruction, which ends with a Lunbar check. One star with a total squash. Uh, after, Vita Scott cuts a promo and tells Cedric to unmask Romantic Touch, show the world that it's Rhett Titus. So she's actually... Uh, calling out that it's Red Titus, he starts to unmask him when Caprice Coleman, who was doing guest commentary, comes into the ring to stop him, but he gets shoved down to the mat. Out comes Moose. Uh, Cedric uh, runs out of the ring to get away from Moose, and that's how the segment ends. I don't know about Cedric as a heel. I'm having a little trouble buying it, but anything, if it makes him win matches, <laughs> I'll be all for it. He's just so good to be losing all the time. And uh, like I said, Rita Scott, uh, I don't know. I'm not, again, I like her. I'd love to take her out on a date. I just don't know if I buy her as a wrestling heel manager. You get a Jay Lethal promo. <laughs> Lethal is just great as always. And Truth Martini also great in this promo. Again, talking about Roderick Strong and, and stuff about the, the, the one hour Broadway from Death Before Dishonor, but they were just great in this. Jay Lethal cutting some of the best promos in all professional wrestling that I've been hearing right now. And uh, Martina was really good here also. Next, we see the Bucks of Mandy Leon talking about uh, top contender Kyle O'Reilly in the latest segment of Inside ROH. We start to get clips of O'Reilly and his uh, interactions with Jay Lethal, once even making him tap out in a tag match. And uh, pumping up that O'Reilly and Lethal will be facing each other soon for the television title. Now, speaking of Kyle O'Reilly, he's in our main event as he faces off against Adam Cole, former tag team partners of Future Shock, uh, facing each other now. They engage in pretty much a mat wrestling battle. Uh, match does wind up spinning out to the floor. Daniels is there doing some guest commentating. Of course, Daniels won half of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, The Addiction. He stands up and is just talking trash. And all of a sudden, Cole comes over and pie faces him to the ground. Daniels attacks Cole. Ref calls for the bell. Soon, both members of The Addiction are in the ring, fighting Cole and O'Reilly. They clear the ring. And then Cole challenges them to face, for one night only, the reformed Future Shock. And Addiction agrees. So I'm going to give two stories to the Kohlrabi match. It was interesting, but never got a conclusion. Uh, now we have the Addiction versus Future Shock. It's all Future Shock at the beginning. Champs do get the heat on uh, O'Reilly at some point. But the match still goes back and forth. Addiction looks for Celebrity Rehab, but Kyle uh, looks for Celebrity Rehab on Kyle. But Cole winds up rolling Daniels up from behind. One, two, three, gets the three count, two and a half stars. 
nothing great, but it was okay, and it was nice to see Future Shock back together again. Uh, so, you know that that helps the score. After the addiction and Chris Sabin, who has run into the ring, attack Cole and Kyle. Bobby Fish makes the save as the Kingdom come out on the stage, watching this whole thing unfold. And that's the show. It was a good show. Um, no outstanding match, but there were some good storylines. Obviously, you see what's happening here, where it's going to be some situation of the three members of the Addiction facing off against uh, Red Dragon and Adam Cole, and then does the Kingdom get a new member to replace Adam Cole, and then we can have a three-on-three-on-three? Or is this all a plan by Cole to somehow get the Kingdom to the tag team titles? There's a lot of different ways they could go here. Me, personally, if I was writing this, I'd probably have this all be a setup to get the Kingdom to win the Bonner Tag Team Championship. That just would be the way I would write this, but we'll see what they do. And now it's time for the what we've all been waiting for. A lot of episodes. I've been doing this for a long, lot of months now. From the very beginning, we were talking Lucha Underground. And now we're in the final episode of Season 1, Ultima Lucha, taking place on August 5th, 2015. And uh, let's get right into this show, because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot happening. Okay, opening match, Johnny Mundo. Facing off against Alberto El Patron. Alberto, as you can imagine, is spitting fire as he tears it to Mundo right off the top. Uh, Johnny runs under the ring to escape. Uh, when he emerges, he tosses dirt into the eyes of Alberto as the announcers um, somehow explain that the temple is so dirty and filthy that under the ring there's like tons of this built-up dust that's never cleaned. <laughs> Not sure that was something I would promote, but it is what it is. Johnny now beats on El Patron for a while, but he gets caught and back superplexed to the mat. They keep fighting. There's a tilt the backbreaker that has Johnny down. Alberto now charges him in the corner, but misses. Mundo winds up hitting a rope hung lung blower. Nice move. Throws him out the ring and hits a nice corkscrew plancher out on him. A little later, Alberto winds up getting Johnny into the tree of woe. He goes for a running shoulder block, but Mundo evades it as Alberto goes shoulder first into the post. Johnny quickly hits life fin de Mundo, but Alberto kicks out. Alberto goes to the super kick, but Mundo pulls the ref in the way. Alberto then grabs the arm and gets on the arm bar, but there's no ref as Johnny Mundo was tapping. Then Alberto gets an arm bar over the ropes. The ref is still down. And then a woman comes out, grabs Alberto's triple A title belt, and cracks him over the head with it. And we see it's Melina, Johnny's old girlfriend from WWE days. Johnny hits another Lifine Mundo as the ref comes too. He gets the three count. Great opening match. Huge surprise with Molina. Three stars. Really enjoyed this. After the match, Alberto beats Johnny up. Sends him through a glass window of Dario's door. Molina winds up trying to attack him. He starts spanking her. Afterwards, as uh, Alberto was, you know, parading to the fans, we see uh, Johnny horribly covered in blood. 
Um, I think it's a work. I mean, it was so much blood that it looked like a murder scene. So I don't think it was real blood. I mean, I, I mean, covered in blood. It was just ridiculous. And I think if he was really cut that bad and bleeding like that, we'd have medics all over it. So I think it was probably a work. Still, uh, crazy visual. And after that, we go to the prison area where Dragon Azteca has shown up to save Black Lotus. But Dario is there. He says he broke the treaty when coming into the temple. And the punishment for that is death. He removes the key from his neck that houses Matanza. You know, he's like telling him, you know, don't do it. Don't release him. And while he's doing this, Lotus from her jail cell from behind grabs Lotus from behind, choking him out, and then killing Dragon Azteca with some, like, reverse heart punch to the back or something. And so Dragon Azteca is dead. Dario tells her they must go because she's the start of the war. And he says Matanza's coming too. He unlocks the cage. And uh, so Matanza is free in the temple. We'll see if, uh, if, if that means anything. Now, we go to our next match, and I didn't think this was going to happen so quickly. Pentagon Jr. versus Vampiro. Okay, I'm really, you know, going to the, the, I've talked a lot about the master all along. Who's the master? Who's the master? If you've been following along, you know that. So let's talk about what happens in this match. Uh, before the bell even rings, Pentagon attacks Vampiro with a chair. They wind up brawling through the crowd. Uh, Pentagon drops him on the cement floor, uh, then proceeds to wail away with the chair again. The ref is calling for a stop to the match, as Pentagon is choking him with a cable. They bring out a stretcher for Vampiro. They start to, they go to commercial, they come back, they're wheeling Vampiro out, and he stops the stretcher, punches out the medic, makes his way back to the ring. Gets to the ring, he lands a whirling kick. Uh, knocking Pentagon down, he winds up pulling out a pouch of thumbtacks, pours the thumbtacks into the ring, slams Pentagon Jr. into them. Uh, the vampire goes for a senton, but of course he misses and feels the sting of the tacks himself. Uh, Pentagon then goes under the ring and pulls out fluorescent light bulbs. He busts Vampiro over the head with it, and you can see as the camera was right on him, Right after he hits, you can see the blood start to flow right in front of your eyes, out of Vampiro's neck, his head. This is just, really, this is just insane. Pentagon then goes out and gets some more light bulbs, uh, but he doesn't use them. He leaves them in the ring. He instead starts landing all these kicks, uh, but Vampiro starts to fight back. Pentagon now decides he's going to try to set up the bulbs into the corner. And he tries to send Vampiro into them, but he stops short. Pentagon Jr. charges and is hip-locked right into the bulbs. The crowd's going crazy for this. Vampiro tears away at the mask of Pentagon. Vampiro grabs another set of light bulbs, busts them right over Pentagon's head. This is so insane. Both men are just bloody messes at this point. Vampiro executes an over-the-head, belly-to-belly... Superplex onto the tax and the broken glass. Vampiro gets a table. He sets it on fire. 
but Pentagon gives him a Uranagi through it. Vampiro is literally on fire as men are trying to use fire extinguishers on him to put him out. Holy shit. Uh, he rolls to the floor. Pentagon goes out, and I never heard it was false count anywhere, but with this insanity, like, what rules should they ever be? Pentagon covers him out on the floor. One, two, three, four stars. And that's as high a rating as I can give this type of match. It's total bedlam. Pure violence like you will never see anywhere else. I'm telling you, that goes for ROH. That goes for Japan. I, um, I guess Combat Zone Wrestling, I don't really watch too much of them. But um, they might still, still do stuff like this. But this is just, this, you're just not going to see this anywhere. This was violence. After the match, both men roll into the ring. Pentagon has a mic. Vampiro does too. As he starts to talk, Vampiro stops him and screams at him to break it. And he's offering his arm. So Pentagon says, okay. And he breaks the arm of Vampiro. Pentagon now gets on the mic, asking for his master to show himself. And then Vampiro has a mic and reveals to us all that he is, in fact, the master. Pentagon and Vampiro, Pentagon's shocked at this, as he had no idea. And they hug it out. And <laughs> I told you I thought it was Vampiro months ago. Uh, but give them credit. They totally threw me off the set with this. Because I always assumed Pentagon knew who the master was. So this was a twist, because I didn't realize Vampiro had an unknown master even to himself. And it was Vampiro, I guess this was his way of bringing him, bringing out the best of him by, you know, having him destroy him, himself, or whatever sick way of thinking that he was doing. Wow, I, I gotta give credit. I mean, I so was so sure early on, so it had to be Vampiro, the only one that made sense. And then when they booked this match, I just was like, well, I guess it's Conan. And I'm almost thinking they wrote Conan off just to have people think that. So uh, kudos to uh, the writers of Lucha Underground. Well done. This was just an incredible scene. Now we get our Gifts of the Gods match, which, of course, is those seven medallions now placed on one title belt. Basically, despite what Dario says about all this power or whatever, Basically what the belt is, is it's a belt, which means that you can get, it's almost like Money in the Bank, if the Money in the Bank, instead of a briefcase, was a title belt that you could defend. That's basically what this is. It's basically Money in the Bank in a championship form. Big Rick is in there, uh, Sexy Star, Phoenix, Bengala, Jack Evans, uh, King Cuerno, oh, Aerostar. Okay, so all these guys are in this match. You know, it's the first pinfall or submission will win it. And from the very beginning, Big Rick is just tossing everyone around like dolls. And then they all decide to gang up on him and drive him from the ring for a while. Um, there's no way I can give you play-by-play -play with a seven-way match. So I'm not even going to try. I was too busy uh, just being wowed by the action to take that many notes, at least until the end. Big Rick winds up going back to beating everybody up. And out of nowhere, we see Aerostar up in the perch. He dives down on three other uh, competitors in the match. The sexy star is in the ring. She's about to look for a dive when Marty the Moth enters the ring. Uh, sexy kicks his ass again. 
sends him to the outside. Uh, then she dives on Phoenix, Arrow's story, Jack Evans. A little later, Evans gets a near forward, that bridging roll-up of his. I really like that move. But it's just mayhem. And uh, once again, it looks like Big Rick is in control. It looks like he may have this one. When Delavar Davari shows up and assaults Big Rick with a chair. Then we get a fantastic sequence of moves between Jack Evans and Phoenix. Phoenix hits the fire driver, pins Evans to win the gifts of the God's belt. The gift of the God's belt. Three stars, fun match. A little too much interference. Davari, Marty, the moth. A little overbooked for my liking. And, you know, we had seven combatants. We didn't need another two run-ins also. I just thought it was a little bit of overbooking in this match. Fun match. I like scramble-type matches, which is what this kind of was. But it just we didn't need the interference. Don't overdo a good thing, you know? Next match, Dejano faces Blue Demon Jr., the newly uh, healed-up Blue Demon Jr. And this is a no-DQ match. As a demon axes for it, and he gets it. And uh, every time Tejano seems to start to get in control, the crew, who are now sporting blue bandanas, since they work for Blue Demon, uh, run in the ring and attack him. Uh, finally, they're just there about to beat him with the Kindle stick. Then Chavo runs, well, doesn't really run. He kind of limps down to the ring with a chair. He gets a Blue Demon's face, but I saw this one coming. Yep, Chavo uses the chair on Tejano. Demon then uses it also. He pins Tejano by standing on his chest. One and a half stars. Not very good. And also overbooked. Um, really like most of Ultima Lucha. I mean, there have been interference in every match. We have Melina in the opener. We have uh, Chavo here. We had um, two run-ins in the three-way. All right, well, Pentagon Vampiro was no run-ins, thank goodness. So, But a lot of run-ins and a lot of overbooking in my eyes. So far on this show. And we get to our main event. Prince Puma versus Mil Muertes. And oh and my god, Katrina is uh, wearing a little different outfit. Wow. And the match quickly is a brawl. And of course, heads to the floor and then the stands. <laughs> There's not been a lot of variety in these match layouts tonight. I think they might have had one agent booking all these matches. Because it seems like every match starts out as a brawl and into the crowd. Uh, that's been like the, the state for every match tonight. Um, early on, I noticed Mill was sporting a really bad looking bruise on his ribs. I mean, it looked bad. It was big and red. And ugh, it, it looks like he really, really uh, banged himself up there. I hope it's um, just bruised ribs and not nothing broken. Katrina wants to get it too close to the action, and Puma grabs her and uses her like a weapon on Mil Muertes, like spinning her around, like, you know, you know, tilt the world action and landing blows with her spiked heels on the mill. <laughs> Innovative stuff. The action really, just really wild. Both men are beating the hell out of each other. Mill powerbombs Puma on the ring steps. He grabs a chair. But Prince Puma drop kicks it into his face. Uh, Puma then goes for a dive, but gets the chair right thrown into his face. Mil Muertes goes for a German, but Puma lands on his feet and hits a double stomp on the midsection of Mil. 
Mill goes for a spear, but Puma leapfrogs him as he crashes into a chair that he had set up in the corner earlier. Uh, now Puma hits a variation of the GTS. I think I've seen a, one of the, a woman wrestler uses. It's kind of like the GTS, but instead of the knee like CM Punk uses or, or Kenta or Hideo Tommy, I think they call him now. Um, instead of that, he kicks him in the face instead of with the knee. Uh, but it's a really nice move. So he hits that, covers, but Mill kicks out. Puma looks for the 630 senton, but Mill gets out of the way, but Puma saw that coming and he lands on his feet. But power slam by Mill Wettis for a two count. Pele kick by Prince Puma that has Mill down. Then Puma hits a northern light suplex, rolls through, and delivers a fisherman buster. That's a very impressive display of strength and technique. Uh, but Mill kicks out of that. Puma tries a springboard move, but he's caught before he can actually spring off the ropes with a deadly right hand. Puma is just dazed on the apron, and Mill spears Puma through the ropes, through a table that was set up outside. I don't remember seeing anybody set up a table, but it was out there, and uh, they went through it. But they didn't land in the middle. They landed on the edge where the legs are. That is not a safe bump to take uh, for Puma. That they actually also, when you see the replay, it looks like those ribs that were bruised up landed in the edge of the table. So that took a little bit of steam out of Mill here. But he sucks it up and power bombs Puma through the uh, lopsided table. Mill rolls the broken body of Prince Puma into the ring and he covers him. One, two, no! Puma kicks out. Mill hits some sort of choke bomb of sorts. It looked devastating. I just love everything. Everything this guy does looks like it legitimately does figure that hurts. Puma then hits a series of big kicks. Puts the monster down. Hits the 630 senton. One, two, Mill kicks out. I mean, he barely beats the count. Uh, he goes up to do another 630, but Mill Wettis goes out of the way as Puma crashes to the mat. Then Mill hits a ridiculous spear. The best spear in the game, folks. Of course, he then delivers the flatliner to a helpless Puma, and we get the one, two, no! <laughs> no! Puma kicks out and one of the most shocking near falls all year. God, I love this show. Uh, both men are totally spent. Puma lands a few kicks. He looks to go up again. But Mill lands another crushing right hand. And he looks for a superplex. But Puma lands a few headbutts. And sends Mill crashing to the mat. Puma looks to stand up on top again. But Mill springs up like Undertaker style. Leaps to the turnbuckle. And hits a top rope flatliner. That when Puma's face hit the mat, they had the camera shake like there was an earthquake. What a visual. One, two, three. Mil Muertes is the new Lucha Underground champion. Four stars. Easily match of the night. Uh, here they had zero interference and no overbooking. Straight match to a finish. This show needed this to end this way and it was great, great job of all the Interference and everything we had uh, early on in the show to have this main event go with Mill winning clean was the right way to do it. Very impressed. 
Of course, in case you had to ask, Katrina administers the lick of death to a practically unconscious Prince Puma. The disciples of death then join them in the ring as Stryker coins that the age of death has begun and the credits roll. But of course, if you've been listening to our Lucha Underground reports, you know the show's not over when the credits roll. And the best part of the show is coming. We switch to Dario's office, where Lotus is filling a bag with Dario's money and stuff. Dario says dark days are coming as he's looking out the window at the celebrating uh, dark forces of Katrina. They run out the office... But he comes back to get that red bull that's always on his desk, which I think may have some significance at some point. Like, I think that red bull was not just a little ornament. I think there's something to it. Then they drive off in a truck, and we get a glimpse of Dario's brother through a hole in the trailer being told. Kind of looks like a mummy or something, like his face is wrapped up. It was definitely CGI to me. They had him like look like some kind of monster, like a mummy. For some reason, I keep thinking that there is a wrestler out there um, on the indie circuit that wrestles kind of like that with a mummy garb. So this might be who they're using to uh, play Matanza. We'll see. Then we switch. We get to see Phoenix with his new gift of the God's Belt and getting his corn driving away. Of course, it's a Firebird. But uh, someone is following him in a pickup truck. So we'll see what happens with that if we ever come back. We switch again to see a deranged Marty the Moth Martinez who has kidnapped Sexy Star. He's like just laughing like a lunatic and yelling at her. And he mentions something about his sister before that switches. This time it switches as we see Son of Havoc. He tells Angelico they will get those belts back as Angelico drives away on his motorcycle. And he gets on the back of another motorcycle with Ivelisse, and they drive off. Another switch, and we have Drago and Aerostar as their arm locked. As Drago says, we will meet again, my friend. Drago flies off in a cloud of flame as Aerostar takes off like a human rocket of some sort. We switch again, where Pentagon asks his master, where do they go now? And Vampiro comes over looking very much like a dark Sith Lord and says, to a dark place. And we get one more switch uh, as we see someone holding the mask of La Dragon Azteca. It's the hooded Kung Fu guy from my last episode. He puts on the mask and spray paints a question mark on a Lucha Underground billboard. I thought that was going to end, but no. There's one final switch. As we see Dario Cueto standing there as the lights of the temple start to go out. As his face is turning red and all the lights are now out. And we see like a red Dario giving us that one last signature grin. It's <laughs> looking pretty much like the devil. Holy shit, I'm telling you. I think that was better than the matches. These are like segments, none of them took more than maybe a minute. Kind of reminded me of the old ECW closed the shows where they would play that music and then bounce around to do the promos and things from everybody from the show. Uh, kind of like that. This is just, this show must come back. 
Someone do a Kickstarter. Tell El Ray we will help finances. This cannot die. This is the best show ever. And we left with, uh, 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 you know, like any TV show, when you get, like, the finale, the season finale, where you're left hanging. You know, like, we need, we need, we need to see what's gonna happen. Well, what's going on with Matanza's brother? Uh, there's the, you know, the age of death. Where's Conan? What's next for Pentagon? Uh, this can't end this way. Wait about 60 stars kidnapped. What, what, what's going on with that? So they can't end the show this way. They just can't. Anybody listening to this, write El Ray. I wrote El Ray a letter. Why everybody write El Ray? You know, you don't have to write pen and paper. No one does anymore. Go in the, send them an email and tell them whatever they do, they've got to bring this show back. Best show ever. I know El Ray wants, I know El Ray's a small channel and they're not part of the big boys yet. This show can get them there. More people, when they realize that this is just not about a wrestling show, but it's really like a supernatural thing, I think would love it. I think you could attract fans that not necessarily are wrestling fans from this. If you like those fans of the supernatural and storylines, the dark storylines, this is fantastic television, and it needs to return. And that's the end of our show. And um, and now you guys know, I'm going to be taking a short hiatus as I put all my energies into covering the G1 tournament, which I am lacking right now as I'm really far behind. I've only reviewed the first four episodes. I'm actually hoping to have the other four reviewed by the end of the weekend. Uh, but that's still like only halfway. So as a, you know, I really want to use the next, uh, um, you know, it won't be long. It'll probably be about two weeks to just get all the G1 shows reviewed. And uh, then we'll come back. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find more stuff. We don't have Lucha Underground to talk about. I will continue to update you on what's going on with season two and anything I hear, you guys will hear and I'll update you on it. Of course, any big stories, um, I'll be back to talk about. We'll be talk, we'll, we'll continue with our Ring of Honor reports and with Ring, with Lucha Underground down, we're not only going to talk about Ring of Honor, this opens up some time to, uh, some shimmer. Or some Chikara, or some Evolve, or Hard, uh, House of Hardcore, or PWG, who knows? The Toulouse Underground comes back, it kind of gives us time to, uh, look at other stuff. And we'll do that on Indie Talk in the future. But like I said, just for about two, I would say three weeks tops, we're gonna take a little hiatus. You can hear me. I would really suggest if you guys love these reviews I do, and uh, you love great wrestling, and you love the guys of New Japan that were over in Ring of Honor. Listen to the uh, G1 report, the greatest tournament in all of professional wrestling. 20 men in a round-robin tournament going all out for a chance at the main event in Wrestle Kingdom 10. And it's been great so far. Two matches already in the first four nights that are match of the year contenders. So, you know, come on over to Strong Style Wrestling Podcast and uh, you can continue to get your uh, little fix of wrestling reviews. You know, of course, like I said, I'll let you know there and um, just, you know, keep looking for us. We will be back soon. And until that time, I want to thank everybody for listening and bye-bye.